the views expressed in this program are those of the individual participants and not necessarily those of WVUD or the University of Delaware. WVUD and UD Information Technologies present Campus Voices, conversations with University of Delaware faculty, staff, and students about their teaching, research, service projects, and other interests. To introduce today's guest, here's your host, Richard Gordon, manager of the IT Communication Group at the University of Delaware. Thank you, Jason. And joining me live in the studio today is our colleague Paul Hyde from IT Academic Technology Services. And Paul, why don't you introduce the guest that we're going to interview? Thank you, Richard. Dr. Bob Gagne is Associate Director of the Indiana University Center for Postsecondary Research. Bob coordinates research and reporting for the National Survey of Student Engagement. We'll be referring to that as the NESI survey during today's show. He is also the Director of the College Student Experiences Questionnaire. Since 1999, Bob has been an integral contributor to the development and success of the NESI survey. Bob spent the early part of his career in student affairs administration, where he gained insights about positive student development and effective campus environments. His current research interests include the assessment of university quality, writing as a form of engagement and learning, and high-impact practices for undergraduate learners. Bob will be making the keynote presentation and leading a follow-up workshop on January 9th at the Winter Faculty Institute in the Trabant University Center. All of the details are available on the web at ats.udel.edu. We're glad to welcome Bob back to campus for an encore appearance of sorts, following up on his April 2011 visit. Welcome, Bob. It's fun to be here. Thank you for letting me have this conversation with you. We refer to this uh, survey, the National Survey of Student Engagement, as the Nessie survey? Is it really right. a monster like uh, the the one on the lake? <laughs> it's a monster, but I, I, it's uh, perhaps hopefully not as scary. It is quite a large survey operation. We survey sample size over 1.5, uh, almost 2 million college students uh, every year. And that is anywhere from 600 to 750 uh, baccalaureate granting four-year colleges and universities will participate. Uh, we survey their first-year students and their seniors, generally the entire population of first-year students and seniors, which gives us uh, an enormous sample size and population to address. Uh, plenty of data to do work with, that's for sure. This is a survey of student engagement. Now, that catchphrase can mean different things to different people. So how do you define student engagement? Well, student engagement is an idea that has come uh, through the higher education literature over time. Uh, other terms that were used in the past were student involvement. Bob Pace, the researcher who might be considered the grandfather of Nessie, coined the, the phrase, the quality of student effort. And uh, you mentioned I'm the director of the CSEQ uh, survey, the College Student Experiences Questionnaire. And that uh, measures what Pace called the quality of effort. But student engagement is essentially a synonym of these things, and it represents two general ideas or two critical features of collegiate quality. The first is behavioral. It's the amount of time and effort that students put into their 
their studies and other educationally purposeful activities like meeting with advisors and faculty, uh, collaborating with other students, and so on. And the second one is environmental. Not only do we we ask students about their activities, but we ask them about their perceptions of the environment that influence those activities. And so it's, it's important how the institution utilizes its resources and organizes its curriculum to, uh, to get students to participate in these important engagement activities. Sounds to me, then, that you found that there are things that have positive impact on learning and retention, on what you call that quality of effort, and that there's also yeah. then a correlation between that and what a student experiences both in the classroom and his or her overall campus experience. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the more a student is engaged in his or her learning, whether it be in the classroom or outside of the classroom, you know, the more invested they are in their education and in their own success. The student is is only passive, passively involved and going to class, but perhaps not even recognized by their first name, not challenged, not uh, given opportunities to interact with other students and so on, they're, they're less uh, connected to, to the campus, to their, to their whole learning experience. But if we can integrate the student um, well into their course learning and into all of the wonderful opportunities that can happen outside the classroom, largely the responsibility of student affairs, they're more likely to, to stick with it and find um, opportunities and solutions for, you know, for any problems or obstacles that they're overcoming, that they're, that they're experiencing. You know, that bears out on, on the experience I've had with individual students here at UD. I remember I had a student where he and his fiancée were having trouble with the one Arabic instructor on campus and mm. didn't know who to talk with. It was not a user-friendly kind of experience for the student. So in a nutshell, student engagement really is important for everybody mm-hmm. at the University of Delaware. It's not just the faculty, but also units like advisement and residential life. Absolutely. And in our research, uh, I, I thought I'd raise one very important finding that has come in the last 10 years with Nessie. Uh, it's what we call the, the compensatory effects of student engagement. The students who are most at risk of dropping out are those who who enter college underprepared. Perhaps they didn't have a great high school experience, or it might have been their family of origin pre- presented some challenges for them. It might be that they are different in some way from the traditional college student who's at the campus. And what we find is that the more that these students are engaged, there is a stronger association with getting good grades and persistence than there are for the traditional student who comes in with, you know, a decent background for college. So in other words, engagement has an even stronger effect, a stronger positive benefit on students who come in um, with underprepared backgrounds or students who are underserved or historically um, underprivileged or whatever. I'm curious, have you done, does your survey show anything about students who do have preparation but just don't understand what to do when they encounter an unusual problem? We have done studies along those lines. We've asked, we asked colleges and universities to give us, for example, their pre-college test scores like ACT and SAT scores. And we use that as a proxy for their preparedness for college. Sometimes we can look at uh, demographics and identify older students, students who transferred, students who were veterans, 
it's sometimes it's by race and ethnicity and other things that that sometimes correlate with being uh, you know historically underrepresented or underprepared and we can we can look at how those students are engaged compared to say the majority students and again what we find generally is that to the extent that these students are engaged it has a a a, a stronger punch uh more bang for the buck i guess you could say so yeah we also have a a, co- a companion survey called the beginning college survey of student engagement and we call this bessie Bessie is administered to students, to uh, entering students before they start their first year of college. So generally in the summer during orientation or welcome weeks, sometimes during the first week of classes. And Bessie is, it asks students about their expectations for college, about their high school experiences. It asks how they were engaged in high school. And again, we can look at students who perhaps had very poor engagement, or students who expect to have difficulties to being successful in college and we can see how those students finish the first year by surveying them again with the Nessie survey and then of course we can study you know what factors might have been um, influential in helping them succeed we've been talking about the national survey of student engagement or the Nessie survey and the university of delaware has participated in this survey several times can you tell us about the changes you've seen over the years with respect to student engagement? There have been some changes, but in, in general, there, there, are, there are a lot of things that seem to be universals. For example, um, that student engagement varies more within the institution than between institutions. And so um, regardless of when we sur- that surveyed, a very consistent finding is that, uh, for example, students at University of Delaware will vary quite largely or greatly in terms of their engagement. You'll have students who are very highly engaged and students who are poorly engaged and a lot of students in between. But the average student at Delaware isn't as different uh, from is with the average student at other institutions. Um, but students within Delaware, University of Delaware, could vary quite a bit. But in terms of, um, you know, over the years, we, um, we've seen that college and universities are more now keenly uh, focused on engagement within the major, for example. They're trying to drill down in, into uh, places that are very actionable in terms of faculty development, policies, curriculum, and so on. And so sometimes the, the average uh, student result for a, a large research university uh, is less meaningful than, say, students within a particular major field program like engineering or business or education. And so the the deans of these programs are becoming very interested in student engagement results. And that's why we survey the entire population of first-year students and seniors to kind of really uh, allow us to have enough data at these individual um, program levels for assessment. Um, Also, Changing rapidly, of course, is uh, technology. Uh, the use of online courses and whole online institutions are growing. We're having a, uh, we're serving a lot more of these. Uh, classrooms are becoming more hybrid in terms of u- using online resources and technology. Sometimes students are meeting face to face, and other times they're doing whole things outside of the classroom. You know, and you have things like flipped classrooms, flipped courses where students do all of the discussion online and so on, and then they come to the class for other activities. So there, it seems like the change is happening faster than we can keep up with it sometimes. But we're, we're able to kind of tap into what's going on there with our, with our survey. 
how do the millennials, how does this current generation of students deal with that? How, how are they, what are they looking for in terms of engagement? You know, in the classroom, online, with the technology, or with the university in general? Is there something really different about this generation of college students and their expectations? That's a great question about millennial students. The, these students are, have grown up with, with technology. They've grown up in a different era than I did, for example. Thirty years ago, when I was an undergraduate in college, I had virtually no technology in my, my dorm room. When I went to classrooms, they, you know, they wrote on the boards with, with chalk. And when I walked from class to class, I might have had a Walkman, but I can't remember. I don't think I did. But now it seems like the traditional classroom that we know of is, is often a thing of the past. Students are doing much more with online courses, um, hybrid courses. They're integrating technology in the classroom. So these students have very different expectations for what a course uh, should be like. Technology is, is interwoven into their entire experience. They're, not only is it in the classroom and in the dorm room, but it's in their, in their pocket, so everywhere they go. You know, whereas I was typing my paper on a, um, on a typewriter and using Whiteout, the students now have Google Docs collaboration. So, I mean, it, it, this, is, this is all, you know, the world that we live in now. So the students are having a completely different kind of college experience than, um, say, existed 25 years ago, 20, even 20 years ago, and really a different experience than, than, uh, than 10 years ago. So what does all this mean? I think that uh, how students spend their time is quite different. Um, it used to be that students were, would be taught to spend blocks of time doing things. You have a block of time in class, a block of time between class when you would study and so on. But I think that their time is much more fragmented than it, than it was. From your walk from, uh, from your class to the next building, you might be able to accomplish a few tasks on your phone. You can check your email or you can talk to your parents or so on. And when their students are in class, God forbid, but we know it happens, they could be checking their email, looking, you know, texting and doing other things. Or they could be looking up resources using their tablets, um, doing research while the, while the lecture is going on. Sometimes that's encouraged by professors, sometimes it's not. So there's much more of a fluid time experience for students. It's much more multitasking or less in terms of sort of solid blocks of time. So what does this all mean for when we ask when we ask students to spend time on certain tasks? Um, it's harder and harder for for us to know what what to what that means and what to expect from them. It sounds um, like you're talking about how technology is now part of what students expect in terms of engagement. Or for people of our generation, to some extent, they view technology as an impediment to engagement. But the students really expect it now. Yeah, they absolutely do. And students are even asked to to rate their courses just in terms of how how they learn with technology. We did a study with some additional questions on technology here in um, here using the National Survey of Student Engagement. We studied about 45 institutions with with their students on technology, and generally, what we found was that uh, the use of technology in the classroom was associated with uh, positively associated with student engagement. Students are using technology to be more engaged. The um, students who use more technology uh, experience more higher order learning, um, which would be things like um, synthesizing ideas, doing more analysis, and so on. 
they're doing more reflective and integrative learning, probably because they're able to share more ideas this way and so on. They're doing, using more of what we would call learning strategies by summarizing notes and sharing notes and things like that. All of this is good and positive. So courses that are designed to to improve the students' use of technology uh, seem to be very beneficial and essential. And I think students are, are more and more coming to expect this. Part of it, though, is they really need to have the faculty member know how to manage the technology in the classroom. It doesn't do the student much good if the faculty member is just adding technology like you'd add seasoning to a stew. Absolutely. And we, we also surveyed faculty um, with a, a version of those same questions about technology. And probably the number one result or finding that we got from that survey was that faculty demand more support services so that they can use it effectively in their classrooms. And not only that, they want support services for their students to be able to use technology more effectively. So I think this is um, an area of focus for most college universities is how can we, you know, we have all of these wonderful technologies. The possibilities seem to be endless, but how can we optimize their use? How can we get students to um, and faculty use them most effectively for learning? The results show that they, that they are effective for learning. And, and, um, if they were mere distractions, then, uh, you know, we might be going in a different direction. But in general, students find that on balance they are um, really quite effective in um, helping them learn better. Technology makes me more accountable to the students, and in addition, it makes the students more accountable to me. That's right. That's right. And it gives you, it gives you just a, a, a more opportunities to interact with those students outside of the traditional classroom. It makes you more accessible to them. If they just have a quick one-off question, it's much more easier for them to get answers from you, provided that you are accessible and available this way. They may not, there are students who may not be comfortable raising their hand in a class because they're intimidated or it's a larger class or whatever, but they're much more comfortable engaging in these conversations through the course management software or whatever program that you're, you're using. So what we're finding is that we're asking students to do group work, but very often the students are no longer even getting together. They don't, they don't need to. They just organize it all in a sort of a virtual group, and they, and they work this way. And it seems to be fine for them. I'm one of those people that use some of the common sense things with student engagement, things like learning the students' names and making sure the TA learns the students' names. And if the hands don't go up, then my TA or I call on people. And mm -hmm. that, that's sort of in some sense, helps with that accountability engagement correlation. Yes, absolutely. In fact, one of the questions that we ask students on the NETI survey is how often they participate in course discussions. Colleges and universities are very interested. They want to see their students engaged in the classroom. And this is, this is the old-fashioned learning. Uh, again, if the faculty member is, is walking into the classroom and, and lecturing, and only having one or two students participate in discussions or asking questions, and that may be a problem. But to the extent that you can get students feeling comfortable to ask questions, to talk with each other, to engage um, with the faculty member, that is a more engaging classroom and more likely to produce lasting outcomes. We're talking with Dr. Bob Gagne, Associate Director of the Indiana University Center for Postsecondary Research. I'd like to follow up on your research interest in writing as a form of engagement. 
We've been talking about how technology has changed the writing process. What are some of the other things that we're finding out about the relationship between writing experiences and successful student engagement? I did my re- my research uh, for my dissertation using the College Student Experiences Questionnaire. And on that questionnaire is a scale uh, about the effective uh, use of writing in the student's work. I used that scale about the student's writing activities in a what well, was called a path analysis model. I looked at how that scale uh, related or correlated with other forms of engagement and also how all of these things led to two different outcomes. One were grades in the first year of college and the second was persistence to the second year. So grades and retention essentially. And what I found, and this was back in the early, let's see, it was the right, I was doing the analysis around 2002. What I found was that no matter how I looked at the data, every, every different way I modeled it and cut it and constructed it, writing emerged as central to all other forms of engagement. Writing, in other words, connects to, to almost everything. The more students were doing writing and, and engaging in these writing activities, the more they would collaborate with other students, uh, engaging with other students in important discussions. The more students that did these writing activities, uh, they would also interact more with faculty in meaningful ways. The students would also um, engage in more deep learning activities, such as analysis, synthesis, and evaluation of different information resources and so on. Uh, They would practice better information literacy, more use of the library, and so on. But it seemed like writing was the thing that connected to them all. So I started to theorize that if faculty members can be thoughtful and intentional about assigning good writing and and making the writing process very meaningful, they can... um, almost use that as leverage to increase most other forms of engagement, which then uh, research tells us produces good outcomes. We're not necessarily talking about formal research papers. I mean, for example, my students do a lot of Google group posts, a lot of um, essay exams, a lot of, you know, short, I'd almost call them informal writing assignments. Absolutely. Uh, It's not just the 20-page paper. In fact, that might be one of the poorest ways to assign writing is to give a student a 20-page paper assignment at the, on the first day of class and collect it on the last day of class, and nothing happens in between. That, that is uh, highly discouraged now by what, you know, the writing program administrators and, everything, and folks like that. And it's also uh, quite onerous for the faculty members as well. But what, what we looked at it for, for CSEQ and what we use for Nessie are papers of all various lengths, and um, if interested in um, these additional questions on writing, which I, I know University of Delaware is participating in in 2014, uh, it's not only on the, the, the length of the papers, but the, the nature of the assignments. And that's, that's key right there. But these things are, are, are central to engagement. So with the, with the writing research that I've been engaged in, using these additional questions that were written and to be appended to the Nessie survey, we're basically looking at writing in um, in three different scales or measures. One are uh, a variety of meaning-making tasks. 
such as uh, synthesizing uh, information, summarizing things that you learned, writing to a, a real or imagined audience, and, and other things like that. The um, uh, arguing a position, for example. And the second area are interactive writing processes. So this is, this is uh, what happens uh, in the process of writing the paper. The more that students are asked to, to give feedback to other students and receive feedback from students, and perhaps even uh, showing uh, pieces of writing to family members and getting feedback that way. Any, anything that's interactive that, that you give and share feedback uh, is highly uh, important. And even talking over ideas uh, about your writing before you start writing is very important. So those interactive writing processes um, are what we measure. And then we also ask students about their perceptions of how clearly uh, explained uh, were the goals and objectives of the assignment. In other words, for, if faculty can, can give students a clear idea of what, is, what the purpose of the assignment is, what they're supposed to try to accomplish, how it will be graded, and so on, um, and perhaps even giving examples to illustrate uh, what a good assignment looks like, then the students will be much more uh, successful in this writing task and uh, will uh, achieve the other positive results as well. So, so that's what these questions are about. The more that students do those, it turns out, the more they, of course, like my dissertation showed, the more they get engaged in deep learning and student-faculty interaction and so on. And the more that the students perceive they have made gains in learning and, and, and development. We have just a couple of minutes left, and I think Paul's got a, a, a final question for you. Dr. Gagne will be coming here for the Winter Faculty Institute on January 9th. I'm wondering if you have any uh, last words of wisdom about the role of faculty and student engagement and anything that can help us think about what we know based on your research and the work you've done and what we consider best practices that we can recommend for faculty. I could talk, since I was just talking about the writing questions, maybe I can talk about in terms of the writing assignments that faculty give. And this is something I think that I'd like to focus with in the workshop part of the morning that I'm with you. I want to encourage faculty to reconceptualize their use of writing, uh, if they haven't already, and to think about how writing is used in their courses. The, the idea is uh, to use uh, writing as a way to learn rather than as a way to assess their learning. So um, writing to learn is the, uh, is the key word here. Faculty don't have to assign more writing, but just better writing assignments and, and, and um, creating those, um, those meaningful assignments, those interactive um, uh, activities that they had to give and receive feedback and so on and to explain their assignments uh, more clearly. Uh, so the, to the extent that um, faculty are able to uh, reconceptualize their assignments uh, this way, I think that they'll um, be off to a good start for their semester. Well, Bob, I'm really looking forward to you coming to campus and looking forward to hearing you speak and participating in the workshop on January 9th. We're glad that Bob will be returning to campus. He last presented at the University of Delaware in April of 2011. Bob will be making the keynote presentation and leading a follow-up workshop on January 9th, 2014 at the Winter Faculty Institute in the Trabant University Center. All of the details are available on the web at ats.udel.edu. Thank you, Bob. It was a pleasure. And thank you, Paul. Thank you, Richard and Bob.
Thanks for listening to Campus Voices, a collaboration between WVUD, the broadcast voice of the University of Delaware, and UD Information Technologies. The views expressed on this program are those of the individual guests and do not necessarily reflect the official views or policies of WVUD, UD Information Technologies, or the University of Delaware. For more information about Campus Voices and to find archive copies of this and other episodes, visit our website. Using all lowercase letters, go to www.udel.edu slash campusvoices. We invite you to tune in every Thursday morning at 8.30 for Campus Voices on 91.3 FM, WVUD, and WVUD HD1, Newark, or online at wvud.org. Thank you.